0: you are listening to the attempt adventure podcast a podcast all about finding adventure every day and making life a little more interesting from bangkok thailand i'm michael Derosiers, joined as always by my friend and co-host James Barrett from Dallas, Texas. Well, in this episode, we've got an interview with my younger brother, Fulbright scholar, world traveler, and cultural adventurer, Kyle DeRosiers. Kyle was on the show a couple months ago to talk about his experiences living abroad in Tel Aviv, Israel, during COVID-19, and we wanted to have him back on to talk about his experiences post-vaccination, some of his further adventures both cultural and otherwise but first James what did you do this week did you do anything new or adventurous
1: i did do something new not really adventurous um it's been it's been a hell of a week as i have as you and i have discussed I'm not going to get too much into that it, it's been a week and so they opened up a daiso by my house which for those of you that don't know daiso is a japanese i believe japanese like Dollar mm, store. store. Dollar store, right. And it's great. It really is. And so me and my fiance went there with the specific idea of getting Calpus Lacto, which mm. they had, and it's delicious.
0: I do love a glass of kalpas Yes. Or Calpico, as they call it here. Do you want to explain what kalpas is to our listeners who yes. might not be familiar? Calpus,
1: in Thailand, it is Calpus Lacto, and
0: it is yogurt
1: flavored soda and it sounds disgusting but it's delicious it might be my favorite soda of all time
0: it's weirdly good isn't it it's so good tang you know that that you really don't expect with your sodas different
1: flavors it's all good (laughs) and then i was just looking through the snacks and i found honey butter potato chips which i had never had before and they were delicious so good. A- Asia knows what they're doing with snacks. They know what they're doing. It's it's good stuff. And you know, so that that was my new thing this week honey butter potato chips.
0: <laughs> Listeners, I'll point you once again to James and my very first kind of foray into content creation at Snack Time Asia. It's a series of about four videos, I think, and I, I will have links to them here in the show notes, which you can find, as well as on our website. I got them all uploaded this weekend. <laughs> they're not great quality because they're all shot on a phone but they're fun i hope (laughs) they're fun yeah i like them that's very cool i'm glad that you uh, got to do that because (laughs) you're right there's nothing quite like a japanese snack you just never know exactly what it's going to be like and it could sound terrible and it could be weirdly good like yogurt soda which i believe is japanese yeah i think it is it shouldn't work It looks gross. It sounds gross. It has a gross name, Calpis Lacto. It's kind of thick, so the texture's kind of (laughs) gross. I mean,
1: (laughs) everything about it is kind of gross. I mean, don't ever pour it into a glass because
0: you're not going to want to drink it. It looks like maybe you've had a a thing of yogurt and it's kind of gone bad and it's collected that liquid at the top. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like when the yogurt kind of has mm-hmm. separated, it's like you get that, but you just pour that out into a glass. It just, it's just <laughs> kind of frothy, like <laughs> yogurt <gross>. water. <laughs>
1: yeah, but it's delicious. Daiso fun. It's just full of crap. think of a dollar tree or whatever your version of a dollar store is,
0: but full of like imported Japanese
1: stuff. Like, super cheap, low quality Japanese stuff. That, that's been my new thing
0: this week. Well, that's fun. What about you? What have you done this week? Yeah, I went exploring to a very cool Chinese temple near my house. It's part of a project that I'm kind of working on. And uh, I think we're going to talk more about that next week as I get that going. But I did explore this really cool temple. It was just neat. It was somewhere that I thought was cool. It was a cool place. And I'd been stuck at home so much and I haven't out. I haven't really done a ton recently. So kind of getting back into getting outside again was really good. It's cool. I'm sure you took pictures. I did. I used my infrared camera, which is part of Ooh. what we'll talk about next week. I just had a good morning. So it was fun to explore. Oh, well, that's really cool. One final reminder, this is the very last week to get your bird pictures in. So if you've taken a picture of a bird for our monthly challenge, send it to us. Hello at AttemptAdventure.com, subject line challenge. And you know what? Since this episode is going out a bit late, let's say you have the first full week of July to get it in.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a good idea. So send
0: us your birds. We've got some good ones already. My mother sent a very nice picture of a house finch. Nice. Yeah, and and I will tell you about mine next week when we do our wrap-up. I have a pretty good bird for you (laughs) (laughs) great (laughs) well are you ready to get on with this episode james yes i am just
1: right into the interview
0: okay without further ado ladies and gentlemen my brother kyle derogers from tel aviv israel Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Attempt Adventure. Today I'm joined, kind of spontaneously, by my brother Kyle, who was a guest on an episode a month ago, a little over a month ago. Kyle's in Tel Aviv, Israel, and last time he was on, he talked a little bit about his experiences there with COVID, with celebrating some holidays and festivals, and now he's back. And we decided to hop on Zencaster and record our conversation. Kyle, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Thank you for
2: having me. I am just fine.
0: So I've got a couple things I wanted to chat with you about today, some of your recent adventures. Yes. Um, First is actually related to your entry in our monthly coffee challenge, Making Coffee Outdoors. Yeah, you sent a super cool picture of you making Turkish coffee at the Sea of Galilee, and I think you said that was on a camping trip, right? It was a camping trip and a crazy,
2: crazy camping trip at that we said us do this thing called the Jesus Trail. And so never do the Jesus Trail. It will really lead you astray. And honestly, when you go on the Jesus Trail, you're likely to meet Jesus if you know what I mean. Is this wait. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I mean it's it's just disastrous and maybe you'll you'll hallucinate and you'll get so oh, lost okay. and Oh I Anyway
0: It's so, it's an actual trail. It's an actual trail, right? Like a hiking trail?
2: Yeah, and, and so it's supposedly it goes to these sites that are mentioned in the Christian Bible, right? So, so you start in Nazareth, and, it, you know, it's made for tourists. So I think if it wasn't Corona, you would see all these Americans and Europeans and Brazilians and whatever. And even some, like, Israeli Jews do it. You will start in Nazareth, and there's all these, like, little Arab villages you can go through, which are really pretty. And the trail is not clearly demarcated. The maps don't make any sense. This, the, these trails are not on Google Maps either. So you're really, you really got to be old school. And I was with my friend from China and my friend from Mexico, and we set up this camping trip. And from the beginning, Michael, I knew we weren't prepared. You know, I've backpacked before. We did not have backpacks. We had really heavy sleeping bags. I Wait, had
0: How did you carry them? Well,
2: I mean, like, we what? had backpacks. We had backpacks, but we didn't have backpacks that were suited for a you 30-kilometer-per-day know, trek because there's no... The arm, the uh, the strap across the belly and the, the, the proper equipment. And we had really heavy sleeping bags that we tied on with string. And from the beginning, I was like, guys, can we just... We should just stay in a hotel. You know, I just don't want to... We're not prepared. I really had this sense. And I was right. And they were like, whatever. And so, you know, I wanted to be cool. And anyways, the, the bags got extremely heavy. And... My friend Shao Min's backpack, because it's just a school backpack, it broke like in the Nazareth market. And so we had to get a needle and thread and he sewed it and he fixed it. And so we go through all these Arab villages. We set off way too late. People are really like staring at us because here we are just three foreigners and they don't see many tourists and certainly not during Corona. And people are inviting us in for coffee like many, many times. We didn't because of Corona, but we you know politely declined but I think they were really excited to see people and we find this trail sort of through the hills and we leave the villages and we think it's a trail, but it's not well marked and it's getting late. We were done. We set off way too late and my friend is like, let's take a shortcut. Let's go through
0: these, these farms. And I'm like, no, oh, no, like- that's like mistake. Number one, if you're hiking, always stay on the trail. Well, that's what I said, but you know, we lost the trail, Michael, like, we're,
2: we're a few kilometers past the villages, and it's it's these hills, these rolling hills. It, you know, it's the the, the Mediterranean-Judean hills or whatever. And the trail suddenly becomes overgrown by grass, and there's no trail anyways. And so he's like, okay, this is the Google map. This is the direction in which we need to go. And so let's just cut through. And I was like, okay, but are there landmines? Like, are people going to be really upset if we're trespassing and their property? <laughs> right, Yeah. And there's high grass. I'm like, I don't want to get bit by a snake. There's definitely vipers in Israel. Broods of vipers. And we we do make it out, and it's incredibly beautiful. But I'm getting incredibly frustrated and starting to get dark. We finally find this trail that's in, like, an official campsite. And we want to camp there, but we don't have water. So we have to keep walking so we can find water. It was, like, primitive camping? Yeah, but, I mean, other people had cars. I mean, it had campsites, but there was just no tap. I mean... We walked even more kilometers, finally get to a gas station. But this is after like the Jesus trail disintegrates. Like we lost the trail. We don't know where it was. We ended up walking on the road. We ended up walking on the highway. We weren't even to Galilee. We were just in the middle of nowhere. But long story short is we ended up staying the night in someone's, like the spare room that they they rent out um, because I was tired and desperate and we couldn't find a campground anywhere. We were so lost, so confused. And we stumbled across this community where they had this, this spare room and someone called someone and we did have to pay for it. But we got a shower and, and we had a, a bed. And so that was that was the first night. And we, we made it to Copernicum, but we actually took the bus a bit because we were all just kind of frustrated by them. And we did sleep in the National Park, which was like technically closed. And we were the only ones there. And there were all these howling dogs and jackals and things all night, which was very creepy. And something touched my friend Rodrigo's leg in the night.
0: Were you sleeping outside? We were sleeping in the tent,
2: but something something poked him through the tent, and we think it was a cat. We hope. We hope it was a cat. But what if it was a man? Well, we decided that we just <laughs> decided not to investigate, Michael. We were so lost, and we were so alone, and it was dark, and we were wandering, and anyway, it was just improperly planned, but the Sea of Galilee was beautiful. The next day, we were kind of just over it all, so we came home. <laughs> we, we slept two nights, I guess.
0: I, see, I didn't realize that you guys had walked like that, because you had this really, it looked heavy, or at least very large, coffee Before, I was not prepared i like, I knew better, I knew better. Like, you don't make Turkish coffee when you're backpacking. You make instant coffee. What's the difference? I mean, it's not that much handier. I mean, you had that, like, big pot to brew it in.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. So, anyways, that's my coffee story. it
0: so, well, sounds great. I mean, I love a camping trip. So, uh, you and I have already said that when I come and visit, hopefully we can go camping. And... We'll do it better. We won't
2: backpack. We'll just chill. You know, I, I, I had, like, all these, like, Exodus kind of experiences, like, right on Pesach, because... I had that, and then I had this experience where I, I meant to ride my bike like from here to Harsalia, which is north of here, like 20 or 30 kilometers, and I got extremely lost, and I ended up on a kibbutz. I got chased by another scary dog, and I had to get back because I was going to the Seder that night, and I had to like actually take a cab, but one of the cab wouldn't take me because he had a Mercedes and he didn't want to put my bike in it. And finally I found a cab, got back, made it, But I was like really sunburned, also really dehydrated. Clearly, I'm not doing well at preparing.
0: Yeah, now you understand how people can get lost for 40 years,
2: (laughs) especially with these highways. Like, it's really no wonder. Like, like I mean, I can't imagine. Like Moses must have been very annoyed going
0: around all these highways. I'm sure he had some road rage. I'm sure he did. Man, well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, but but you know, every failed adventure has a story to tell, right? So here's what I can tell you about. I can tell you about Passover
2: uh, with Habonics. I can tell you about Easter, the Benedictine Abbey, and I can also tell you about this interfaith meeting I went to that was in Hebrew that I didn't understand.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, let's do all three. Let's start with what was what was uh, chronologically first. It was uh, Passover, Passover, obviously. All right. Well, let's talk about your experiences in Israel during Passover because that mm. happened not so long ago. How was Passover? So I, I went
2: with one of my friends, and he's like the only like person in my program who's, I mean, he's pretty orthodox. I don't know if he would consider himself orthodox anymore, but mm-hmm. but he, he wanted to go to a seder, and I wanted to go to a seder, and we were trying to invite ourselves over to someone's house, but it didn't really happen, so we ended mm-hmm. up going to Chabad because he knows some of the Chabad rabbis, and... And that, I did not know, so I was like, okay, sure, why not? So there's this place called Haba on the coast, right? And it's like an right. English-speaking community. And it's funny, because here we are, like, in Israel, but some of, like, the, the biggest Orthodox communities are for, like, English speakers who are from oh. the States or from England or um, Canada. And so anyway, so they had this this uh, Seder, and the prayers were in Hebrew, but everything else was in English And they narrated it with all of these stories. um, And it was very intuitive, very easy to follow because they explained everything. Because, you know, the the whole point of Chabad is that they want to bring people in who are, like, secular, who do not uh, keep the laws, who are interested in, in experiencing Jewish life. And so they really, they explain it all. You know, they tell you, uh, how to wash your hands? How to you know? Because washing your hands is part of the seder, and they tell you how to how to do the prayers and and and, and you know what to say, and then explain each food that you eat, you know. And anyway, so everything that happened, you know, what from from the first kiddush and um, the blessing of the wine and the different foods, they had a story to tell, you know, the rabbi and, and the wife of the rabbi and. The children of the rabbi they they each got to kind of they they spoke a bit and and they made it very interesting and i sat by this italian jewish family um in my french moelle and we sat by this italian jewish family who were like super nice they had like these like teenage sons who were just very funny and the atmosphere was just very laid back um and it was just a really pleasant night you have to drink a lot of wine you know it's, Mm. it's it's a mitzvah. It's the commandment right. to drink a lot of wine. <laughs> you drink four cups, um, at okay. least. Yeah. Uh, and there was some singing, and it got kind of rowdy. And you know, it's this is the world that we're in when everyone had the green pass, so they were all they were all vaccinated, so we could have this this event. I mean,
0: is it like the first the first um, the first real celebration since? Yeah, Most yeah. People are vaccinated.
2: It, yes, yes, and everyone, you know, I, I told you I got annoyed because everyone is like, I tell them I study conflict resolution, and they're like, "Oh, you're in Israel, ha ha ha." And now I get annoyed because everyone's like, "Wow, like we're all vaccinated, we're so free, like, like," and and I swear, same thing. If someone's talking about Passover and Easter. It doesn't matter. They are talking about, like, these are holidays that symbolize new beginnings and spring. And it's like, we're vaccinated, we're free, woo! You know, right. which, which of course, is a very incomplete story. Like, like the rest of the world isn't like this. And even in Israel, like, I'm not sure that, like, we Gosh. should really feel that this is the, uh, I wouldn't be the, free, the, the apocalypse right. in a good way, you know? I mean, okay. but anyway. Okay. But that was, like, the major motif, you know? They were like, okay, like, 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 uh, you know, last year they couldn't gather for the Seder, and they're like, this year like, here we are, we can gather for it together um, to commemorate Passover um, and and it's like a, you know, it's a festival about liberation and freedom and, 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 yeah. and joy, and you know, Chabad came from the diaspora, and Chabad came from Europe, and when Chabad, and all these Chabad Rebbe's uh, first began to try to uh, sort of discover their, their, their strain of Judaism like they could not envision that the state of Israel would exist, you know, mm-hmm. and they really endured horrible persecution um, in Europe, you know, and, and pogrom yes, yeah. and, and, and slaughter and violence and just social ostracization and their, with the jobs they could have, where they could live, so restricted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole thing about about Passover is at the very end, you know what they say? They say next year in Jerusalem. Next year
0: in Jerusalem, yeah.
2: And so not really Jerusalem, but Tel Aviv is like, eh, it's good enough, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the one thing that really stuck with me is that um, the rabbi, first of all, he had this amazing tie that was like a matzah tie. Like his tie had mm-hmm. was like matzah. <laughs> you, know, you know matzah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. I'm a big fan of fun ties. Yeah.
2: He, told, <laughs> he, he concluded this very humorous, rowdy, lively Seder, you know, with a very somber story about how, you know, his ancestors survived the Holocaust, mm.
0: um,
2: that they were in Auschwitz or one of the camps, and how they wanted to keep all of the fasts and they wanted to observe all of the holidays. And how I think it was Yom Kippur
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, when people are fasting, uh, and you know the Nazis like to torment them. They brought all these the food. You've heard this, right? How they brought they brought like all the one time they give them adequate food was the day when observant Jews are supposed to fast um, and have been for thousands of years. And so the Nazis brought, like, this, like, adequate food for once, you know, after these, after the people in the camps were starving to death. And they bring the food, and they're tormenting them just to humiliate them. You so know? psychologically,
0: yeah.
2: Psychological humiliation, just like they brought pork and stuff like that at different times, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He told this story about how his ancestor, who was a rabbi, he resisted and he resisted. And he kept true to the commandments and true to his Judaism— and, and, and just tried to respond with joy and with, with compassion to all of these cruelties and the taunts from the Nazi soldiers. And, and I think the Nazi got so frustrated that he was not caving and not giving in that he like beat him or something. And he's like, how, how can you follow these rules? How can you, how can you keep to your faith? in spite of all of this, like, it's, it's insane. I don't understand. How can you do it? You know, something like this. And he's like, I have three, three words for you or four words. And he was like next year in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. you know? And, and of course the rabbi was telling this story in a very, you know, dramatic delivery. And, and that was the conclusion of, of the Seder. So wow. you know, it truly is the holiday in which they reflect like, this is what Israel stands for today. And, mm-hmm. um, when you understand all of that, it really brings a whole lot of perspective you don't usually get, you know, in that's terms really of... really powerful, yeah. And um, that's kind of, that's how it ended. That's how the Seder ended. So really to bring it, bring it sort of full circle. And so it was very meaningful to me just to be there and to learn from them.
0: That's amazing. That is super cool. I mean, these are the kind of experiences that, that... You can't you can't really plan for you know these are the kind of things that when you're abroad or something that that they're they're organic and they're some of the most powerful experiences that you can have. That's amazing. I, I would love to do that. Maybe next year. Maybe next year in Jerusalem, you <laughs> and, and I can get together. We'll see. I mean, yes, it, it'd, well, it'd be really fun if I can come for a holiday next year.
2: I, I Michael, I really love these holidays. I really like. I every time I have the opportunity to do something that's like. Jewish life Jewish holidays I really I I, I'm really into it like I'm I'm into it than more of most of my Jewish classmates but well friends who are like very into it so we you know I'm always like take
0: me with you let's go oh that's how I am here I'm like oh it's loy kratom I gotta get my float ready you know like I get really excited about the Thai holidays here it's great Um, well, here's the deal. Next year, you are invited. Hopefully, if you're there, it'll be easier and cheaper for you to get over here. You are invited for Songkran, if it happens, oh, and Loy Kratong next year. Uh, and I'll go there for, I don't know, Passover, Easter, Christmas? I don't know. <laughs> I'll try to go for a
2: holiday. Anything, everything. everything. You're always invited. Uh, next year, I'll have an apartment. I'm not living in the dorm anymore. I'm actually really excited. I think it makes a lot of sense, and there's so much to learn here, so I'm going to stay
0: that's what um, I said when I stayed for my second year, and now I live here. Oh,
2: Michael, don't tell mom. No, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, never say never. No, but but um, there's another holiday, and I, I feel like all I do is talk about the holidays, but they're just so cool. Okay, Well, here's but, the
0: thing. I mean, adventures come from a, a lot of different angles, and like I said last time, you are a cultural adventurer. And that's you, true. You, know, you had your camping trip, but the, what I want to talk to you about is this because, I mean, really, Israel in general is kind of famous for its – religious festivals. Right. So yeah. So what was next? What was next? It would have been Holy Week, right? It was. So I went
2: to the Good Friday liturgy in the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. Did you have a better experience the second time you went there? I was going to say, being vaccinated, I felt a lot more comfortable. Okay. I went with a friend I met on Twitter, who's from Brazil, uh, who teaches at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And and he was like, okay, I'm bringing us cushions. And I was like, what? And he was like, so we can kneel like comfortably. <laughs> um, because in, in the Good Friday liturgy, there's like a lot of kneeling. And, you know, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is not like a Vatican II parish, right? Um, There's not, there's not like, comfy pews. There actually are not pews at all. Um, You're on the stone floor. So it's a weird, a very weird building, you know? And there's all the Christian sects who are fighting with each other to control it. And they all have... And they all
0: have shrines, right? And altars. It's very confusing. Yeah.
2: And really, like, a testament to just... Horrible failure at, at ecumenism. Just, just <laughs> seriously, like, like there's really so much infighting, and it's just is really right. a shame. So, we went for the Good Friday liturgy, and you know, it's an interesting time to go because it's not crowded, Michael. Normally, you're like sardines mm-hmm. in a little tin, and here we can actually see everything. So, the way that this church works, it's super weird, right? But you have Golgotha upstairs. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like this big stone cave, you know, but it's a church mm-hmm. and you have the, at the bottom part, it's that, you've probably seen it, that big stone, this, the stone of where they anointed Jesus's body before okay. burial and people will like kiss it. Um, I would not during Corona, but, um, <laughs> I told someone this and, and he was like, yeah, that's like, it's just, that's just your Western attitude. And I was like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know, like I went to Orthodox church and you're like supposed to kiss the priest's hand. And I'm like, you know, I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a handshake, But anyways, that's, I digress. But, so we we went in, and anyways, there's like this upper gallery, kind of, and there's an altar here, where uh, it's Golgotha, so it's like the last two stations of the cross, there's like a Greek altar, and there's like a Latin altar, anyways, it's, it's the last station of the cross, so Golgotha, so where, where was the cross, and I think it's the last two, so I don't remember where the second to last station is now, I can't remember, but... It's, it's Jesus dying and then Jesus after he died. Okay, but there's
0: two stations inside the church, right? There's more than two.
2: Okay. Because actually in, in the place where they say he resurrected is not one of the stations. Because the station ends with his death. Because where he resurrected is a different part of the church, but it's all under the same roof. So we were standing below... And because of Corona, there was a very limited number of people that could go up. So they had like a a choir of like Franciscan priests or monks, and they went up. But most of us had to stay down because of Corona. So we couldn't actually see the people singing or speaking. Not really. We could kind of see them. Yeah, so the liturgy was like two or three hours long. So my friend really was smart with these cushions. We were the only ones with the cushions. Wow. These are the inside scoops you can only get here, folks. (laughs) And then the singing was beautiful and the chanting. And so I followed along in English and I actually had a pretty meaningful time. You know, I really Really? always was distrustful of the Latin, but but now I'm like sort of coming to appreciate it more because it's really, the whole idea of it is that it would be universal. Of course, like we all always are as humans, we screw it up. We screw everything up.
0: In the U.S. it's different because in the U.S. everybody's more or less speaking the same language, whereas... When you're in Israel, like you're describing a very international community. It has to be. That's how
2: it is with the Christians here. Yeah. And
0: it reflects in a very different light, doesn't it? So
2: that's how it was. And just the chanting was beautiful. And it's talking all about how, you know, how people just failed to follow God and failed to show justice and failed to show Mm -hmm. compassion and failed to show mercy. And you know, ultimately, like it's the service is commemorating uh, Jesus dying, right? That's that's Good Friday. Yeah. And so, what they do is like they have this whole sim- all these symbolism, you know, where they they have like their communion liturgy, and they put well, they don't have the commun- the eucharistic liturgy, but they serve communion that's already been sanctified because they don't sanctify it on Good Friday. But then they take it and they put it inside of the tomb. They put, like, the communion uh, elements inside of the tomb, like, in the, the holy sepulcher, like, it's symbolically of, like, Jesus' body going to
0: the right, tomb. Right, the body that they're burying, yeah. Um,
2: and then, like, it ends, and everyone is supposed to be mournful and, like, feel really guilty. And, like, one of my very few, like... Um traditional uh, opinions about religion is like I think a little bit of guilt is okay, you know,' because we really do some bad things, and we need to take some time to reflect on that. <laughs> I mean bad things like we we participate in a lot of things that that hurt people you know as, and exploit as, a, people. as a society, even yeah as a society and even true.
0: unintentionally we we can hurt people just even not even meaning to a lot of times, and I know that's important to be mindful and cognizant of,
2: <clears throat> and that's kind of what Good Friday is about. it's mournful, and mm-hmm. it's like taking responsibility for
0: mm-hmm.
2: for doing it and good friday is a really significant holiday for catholic interfaith relations it's uh at vatican ii they revised the good friday liturgy because there, there used to be a lot of you know in a lot of the english translations of the bible use the word jew in a very derogatory way you know like when it talks about the people who antagonize jesus they say the jews you know what i mean and, and just these translations are so wrong and so derogatory. And it's just not tr- not true to the original text. And in the Good Friday liturgy before Vatican II, there were all these prayers about like how the Jews turned their back on God and the Jews need to convert. And just these things that were so horrible and, and just failed to acknowledge the humanity and the divinity and integrity of Jewish people and of all people. And so at Vatican II, they, they changed these prayers and, and they really tried to express like, that these are our cousins, you know, and, and really tried to say, instead, make, the you know, make the focus is the focus is that who killed Jesus is like, for one, it's the Romans, but also like, <laughs> right. it's like everyone, it's right? Those like, Latin I,
0: speakers that you love. <laughs>
2: I know. But, but the whole point is that they made the focus more on like, we're responsible, everyone's responsible, because everyone does such violence and exploitation. And, and just there's so much in the world that like, we are responsible for and and that's 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 what they revised it and they they revised mm-hmm. it to make the prayers more about like praising god and blessing god for the covenant with israel and the covenant with the jewish right people. right and, and so it's not much but it's a symbolic shift and and that's a very interesting thing to think about being in israel being in this liturgy that's after vatican 2 and like how how it tried to shift some of the relationship between Christians and Jews in the world. You know, Vatican II really focused on that and Good Friday liturgy really focused on that. I hope that's not too niche.
0: No, that is super cool. Not at all. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you had a better experience the second time because I know you were kind of down on it your uh, first time that you visited. I've sometimes found that going back to a place that disappointed you very much the first time can give you a, a new perspective and you can like it a lot better the second time.
2: And on Easter Sunday, I went to the Benedictine Abbey at, I think it's Abu Ghosh, and it's the French French Benedictine Abbey. You no, know, but it's in, like this like, beautiful like, castle-type thing with all these like, frescoes that were really old, and they had this beautiful choir with like the sisters and the brothers, and um, it was in Latin and it was in French. Um, and it you was sent so me a picture
0: dead. of a nun holding some bread.
2: Yes, and during the Mass, there was this procession of the children... And they like brought the bread to the altar, and they the nuns baked all this bread, like um like in the shape of like a, a sheep and a, a duck and a, something else, little little animals, you know, to commemorate the spring. And I guess it's a French thing, um, because most of them were French. After the mass, they were like, "Oh, there's some refreshments." So I go, and there's like wine and like some different like um, liqueurs and a vegetable tray and uh olives and crackers and this amazing bread that was like blue cheese and walnuts in the bread and i was like oh oh that sounds really good
0: <laughs> that sounds so good
2: yeah, yeah it was delicious they kept bringing like breads and cheeses and things and i was like wow this is so nice i'm gonna eat some so much bread because i'm hungry and i had some wine and there's this orange wine that the brothers made uh, at the monastery orange wine. they stepped on the like grape. Made
0: of made of oranges actually or the orange color No,
2: no, no, no. I think it's with grapes and with oranges. It
0: was, like, a bit like port. Like, it was very,
2: very sweet. It was good. It was, it was like aperitif, you know. It was, you cannot drink too much of it. Then all of a sudden, I'm talking to them. I talked to a couple of the brother monks. They were were really nice. Um, I I met, like, the French somebody, the French ambassador or somebody to Israel. I don't know. I don't really care about that sort of thing so much. I would rather talk to nuns. Um, Sure. But then they ring the bell, and they're like come eat. And I'm like, eat?
0: What? I thought this was it. You just gorge yourself on bread.
2: Normally you get like <laughs> what, like donuts or coffee. I mean like, you know and I would go to like the student ministries or whatever and they would give you like something, like a sandwich if you're lucky or whatever. Here it was like this three or four course meal. There was like quiche and rice and soup and bread and, and all of this red wine. So much wine. It was, <laughs> was salads. There was just, just several courses, and they kept bringing different stuff. And behind the abbey, you know, in their sort of castle walls, there was all these beautiful tables set up and picnics um, with white tablecloths and flowers everywhere. Then they had dessert with these huge chocolate eggs and cakes and tarts. And, like, the sisters and the brothers made all this stuff. And maybe some of the community members brought some of it. And it was just... Amazing! It was so French, and it was like some of the best I've eaten since I've been here. And wow. I just was not expected. I was just gonna go to the church, and that was it. And then there was this That's whole so cool. picnic. They had this little Easter egg hunt for the kids, and the nuns were like throwing candy, and there were all these old nuns. And old nuns are just the best. I swear, like there's nobody better. And I just felt like <laughs> the nun, the sisters, and the brothers. They just had so much joy. Just talking to them, I was like, wow they really have a beautiful life. You know, they really, like, they live there, and they just had so much joy, and they were smiling and happy, and it was, it was just such a lovely day, and then the kids, all the children were hunting for their Easter eggs, and um, lots of candy and lots of wine, and then we had coffee. Something tells
0: me that you had a lot of wine that day. <laughs> you might have mentioned that once or twice.
2: <laughs> I had a lot of food, too, and... Uh, I don't know it was it was really nice and uh, that's actually where I'm planning on going on a retreat this weekend. I have no oh, cool. idea what I'm gonna do. I was like, what does one do on a retreat? And they were like, you just like you' sitting quiet and I was like, well, I don't know if I can do that. Maybe there's some hiking <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, read a book. But yeah, so it was really, really meaningful to me. I had such a wonderful day because this is the first time I've gone to do stuff like this, you know with the Passover and with the Easter. Um, it's the first time I've gone to do stuff like this in quite a long time. So, that was Easter, and I have to tell you about one last thing, Memorial Day, I think you'll find very meaningful, well, two things, two things. So Yom HaShoah, the day where you remember the Holocaust, it's the same week as Yom Hazikaron, I think, it's, it's hard to pronounce, but, but the first one is Yom HaShoah, which is the day of remembering the Shoah, the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play a two-minute siren, like 10 or 11 in the morning, and everyone um, stands up and is silent. And if you're driving the car on the highway, they'll stop the cars, and they'll get out of the cars, and they'll stand in the highway. Everyone. Even if you're in your house. At the time, I was with my Israeli friend in his home, and we were sitting and watching TV, and he was like, let's, let's get up and stand," you know? And they're playing the siren on the TV, you can hear it in the streets, and... Um, all the cars on the highway stop, and you just think, like, what was lost, what was taken, like, just the horrible atrocity of it. I think Israel is such a controversial place for people, and and rightly so. I mean, what, what the government does, what the army does, but if anyone hates Israel, they should be here on Yom HaShoah, because I, I think it would change them. Anyways, but yeah, I have friends who... Whose parents, are, or grandparents, I mean, survived the Holocaust. And, and some of them are alive still. And they remember it. And it colored them. And it's like a part of, of life here. And it's a part of the collective memory here. And I went to an event where a woman spoke on Zoom. She wasn't actually there, but we got to sit outside all together on the balcony and, and, and Zoom with her. And she's talking about her experiences as a baby in Poland and in Romania. Wow. So anyways, I thought that I would share that with you.
0: That's wow. I, I can't imagine what that must feel like. Wow. Well, that's, that is very heavy. I don't know how to come back from
2: that. Sorry <laughs> right to go on and on, but I have one thing that I also no, really please. want to please. So Yom Hasikaron is the day of Israel Memorial Day for soldiers and also for victims of terror attacks. Um, and they do a lot of really cool things today. There's like some joint interfaith ones. There's some joint memorial services for both Jews and Arabs who are victims of this conflict, um, which is like provocative, right? Because a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that there's suffering on both sides. Um, And a lot of people in Tel Aviv don't want to acknowledge how the Palestinians have suffered. So there's all these projects about the joint joint suffering and the joint memorialization, and that's very cool. but I went to, I got to actually read and speak and present. I told you this, and I can send you a short video clip later if you're interested. Yeah, please do. I got please to do. read and speak and present at the, the Yom HaSikaron uh, service um, on campus. So it was in English, There was a little Hebrew, but mostly English. And I got to read what's called Yitz and and um, sort of like a prayer for to remember the blessed memories of of those who have died um and and there was a big a big turnout it was very really cool we were on the balcony of the building where they have the international program based and so there's another siren on this day when everyone stands so we began the ceremony with this introduction the siren played i got to read this poem um there was a couple people who sang this girl who did the national anthem um, and we just took a moment to like really put a very personalized face with these young men and women um, who who died, but like, you know, like younger than me. I mean, they they were in they were in the army, and um, there was this one guy from Texas actually. His name was Sean Carmelli and we we spoke about him. I spoke about him, which is interesting, being from Texas too. Uh, he came to Israel, um, made Aliyah. You know, where you become an Israeli. And he was like what you call a lone soldier, someone with no family here. And he died at like 22. So it's a day to memorialize it and reflect on what was lost. And there's so much patriotism, which I personally don't get behind. You know, I I, I don't agree with all of the wars and I don't agree with what's happening, but I will always mourn the dead um, because these people, they could have had love and family and career, and and all this life and they didn't
0: wow that is um i don't even know what to say that's just all of that is is incredible and and just really important it's interesting because you have the
2: i think every jewish holiday is like this you have the the morning and you have the joy Mm -hmm. and i mean our christian holidays are like this too some of them easter's like this And that's how all the Jewish holidays are. It's like about persecution and about resilience. And then it's about celebration and life and perseverance. And after Memorial Day, you have Independence Day. Independence Day is when everyone parties and goes with their family and they barbecue. I went to the park and there was so much smoke, Michael. The sky was like brown. From so many barbecues? From so many barbecues. And you can like smoke. You can smell the meat from like a kilometer away. <laughs> like there was like dust in the air. It was so strange and I was like, "Wow, like this is how global warming works." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I don't mean that like barbecuing is not causing global warming, but like in the in the little space, you could see how it just turned the atmosphere. Right,
0: <laughs> round, right.
2: <laughs> you know, and it smells. it smelled so good even though I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um It reminded me of Turkey, you know. It's a very, like, Middle East thing, I feel like, where you have all these families grilling meat in in the park. Um, And there was a park I used to walk through in Berlin every day where it would be all the Turkish and Arab families, and they would have their little kebab. And it would just be smoke, like, so much smoke, like, in this park. And you would cough when you walked through it. I'm like, I don't know how you can hang out here for hours. (laughs) Um, But that's how it was, and it was nice. And people were with kites and um, soccer and, and volleyball and and um, celebrating, because you have the this and you have that. You know, the the, the morning and then you have the celebration.
0: There's the dichotomy, right?
2: The dichotomy, so that's how the week ended. So the week ended with the celebration, yeah.
0: What is your next big adventure? You got anything planned in the next couple weeks? Well, I'm going to this retreat, I think next Saturday, um, with the Benedictines.
2: I have no idea what's gonna happen, Michael. if I really have to like meditate and pray, I'm going to go crazy. (laughs) I know that on their website, they're like, you know, you, you, you pay a little bit. It's like, pay what you can. Right. And um, you join them for meals. And I think you join them for their, one of their like daily prayers or you join them for mass or something. I don't really know. And which I'm happy to do. They were like, we don't care what religion you are or what you believe, but we would like if you'd join us for meals and you join us, you know, in our, in our prayers or something like that. And, um, But then I'm like, what do I do the rest of the day? Like, I I hope I don't have to, like, just hang out and and meditate. (laughs) No, but, I I mean, I don't really know. I was like, what do people normally do when they stay here? Maybe I can help them garden or something. That would be fun.
0: Yeah, get a book. Just enjoy some some relaxation.
2: So I'm excited. So I don't really know what's going to happen. But I'm going to stay in this monastery in Abu Ghosh. And so I'm going for a retreat. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to just turn off my cell phone, like, the whole weekend. So. I'm like, I don't even know how to not do anything. So that will be an adventure in and of itself.
0: Kyle, thank you so much again for coming on the show. I love talking with you.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me, Michael. It's a blast as
0: always. Uh, thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. And now, back to the rest of the show. Okay, welcome back to Attempt Adventure. And again, thank you, Kyle, for coming on the show once mm-hmm. again to talk about what you've been up to. He always has good stories. But, uh, yeah, we, we appreciate Kyle coming on. He does have good stories. He does a lot of cool stuff, especially now that he's vaccinated. So the first thing he talked about was his camping trip at the Sea of Galilee and sort of the disaster that went along with that. And let that be a warning to those of you who are inexperienced hikers. Your brother isn't. Your brother has experience. He is, but his friends weren't. And yeah. like he was even saying in the episode, I was trying to tell them this is a bad idea, but I think he got peer pressured into just going along with it because all of his friends were doing it. Because he, he's done stuff. I mean, he worked at Rocky Mountain National Park for mm-hmm. a while. Like He's done this kind of stuff before. He, sh- he knows what he's doing, but I think his friends really wanted to do this, and he just kind of got dragged along.
1: <laughs> One of the worst things you can do is try and go on like a trek like that unprepared.
0: <laughs> yes. But
1: at the end of the day, it's a good story, no matter how it was when it was happening. Right.
0: As long as nobody got injured and as long as it turned out all right in the end. It's fun now. Right. Type two fun. Type two fun is fun that's fun afterwards. <laughs> which that definitely seems like type two fun. But I did look up the Jesus Trail and it, it's a very cool trek around Galilee. Mm-hmm. If you're into like through hiking in Israel, it's a cool one to look into, I think. The whole thing is 65 kilometers and it takes you around Galilee, including the old town of Nazareth and some historical sites. And then up to the Lake of Galilee itself, which I think is where they're, they have the national park, which is where it kind of Mostly is centered. So, 65 kilometers. So, you know, it's a couple days. Bad. It's not bad yeah. at all, like 30 something miles, a couple of days of hiking and camping. I think it'd be a fun thing to do if you were prepared. But he got a good picture out of it. But now he can say he's been camping at the Sea of Galilee, which is cool. Then, after that, he talked about his experiences at Holy Week, how he decided to go to Good Friday at the Holy Sepulchre and give it a new, another chance because he had such a kind of negative experience the first time. And the second time, he was a lot happier. You know, re-experiencing it maybe with the right mindset, he enjoyed it a lot more, and so I think that was actually pretty cool to go back to somewhere that you really didn't enjoy and and see if it's any different the next time. See if you have a better experience out Mm -hmm. of
1: it. It's it's cool that he went back because it's it's real easy just to oh I don't like it and you you never go back. I have a place that's exactly like that for me, and that's Ayutthaya in Thailand. You know, the first time we went, I was horribly jet lagged, and it was super hot and really cool stuff. But there were certain times where even like super interesting, cool stuff can't help it. And then when we went back, I had a great time. It was wonderful. Cause I think even that first time that we went, even you were having like not that great of a time.
0: I think we were just really <laughs> tired. We were trying to squeeze way too much in to like four days. Yeah. But you know, we went back and now it's one of my favorite places. It's It's, it's amazing. Sometimes it is just about the mindset. So I was glad that he had the chance to re experience something mm-hmm. that he maybe wasn't fond of the first time. Let's see. He had Easter with the old nuns at like the medieval French abbey. That sounded fun. <laughs> uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day, Israeli Memorial Day, Independence Day. Yeah, I never thought we'd be talking about the Holocaust on Attempted Venture. And yet here we are. I no. mean, yeah. it, it, it's part, if we're going to talk about Israel, it's just going to come up. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like a really moving experience, both Holocaust Remembrance Day and Memorial Day. You know, it's these sort of modern memorial days that are very, very moving. You know, it's not celebrating something ancient. It's celebrating something that happened, you know, to a generation that is still living. And, And the Memorial Day is honoring people from both sides of the conflict who have been killed in the violence between Israel and Palestine. It's a very uniquely Israeli thing, and I think it's really great that he gets the chance to kind of participate in these. Not just witness them, but participate in them. Definitely. And, you know, this is not quite the
1: same, but, you know, following him on Instagram and things like that,
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: interesting to see him getting out more and more and experiencing the culture more.
0: Right. It's very different from what I was expecting. His first several months, he was completely locked down, and he hasn't gotten the chance to really show us mm-hmm what his life was like there. Yeah. And so now we get to actually see just day-to-day life in Tel Aviv. And you know, I knew very little
1: about Israel and even less about Tel Aviv, but I don't know what I was expecting, but it's not what he's Mm -hmm. shown me. It's a very modern, very open city. And I don't know if it's just because whenever I think Israel, I think biblical. And I, for whatever reason, your brain goes immediately back to that, but it's, it's not like that. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on. But it's it's interesting to see how, like, the people are interacting. You know, he's yes. showing, like, how pride is celebrated in Israel. And that's not something I would have thought of being, like, a thing at all. But that's yeah. just... Apparently
0: it's a huge deal in Tel Aviv. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was super cool to see. I mean, Tel Aviv is like a hub for IT and the tech industry, and it's got a lot of international businesses. It's not what you think of, <laughs> you know. Apparently, yeah. it's a big party spot. Like, apparently, a lot of people party hard in Tel Aviv, which again, you, have... you might not think about when you think about Israel.
1: No, and I think that's because when people think of Israel, they just think of Jerusalem, like very orthodox.
0: In Jerusalem yeah. is
1: more like that, I would think, but Tel
0: Aviv is just like a big, just a city. We have a, an impression about these places, and sometimes until we actually go there or actually experience them, we we can't really know what it's like.
1: I know for a fact people that have visited Texas for the first time and they're very, I think probably let down a little bit. Yeah, because it's not anything like it. If you want the cowboys, you go west. And you'll find them. Right, they do exist, but the 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 horses and desert and everything else not not over here it's funny because people, it's the same kind of thing. People have this impression of a place and they go there and they're like, what is this? This isn't what I thought. Or like Paris syndrome for people that yeah. you know have this huge idea of what Paris will be like. And they go and then go, oh.
0: So I'm glad to get the chance to talk to him. And I would like to have him back on again sometime soon. definitely. But it was really
1: interesting to hear about the different holidays and things like that. And so I really,
0: I enjoyed listening to it. and Yeah. Yeah, It'll be, I'm excited to have him back on. Definitely, definitely. And hopefully that will be pretty soon. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you again, Kyle, for coming on the show. And now it is time to move on to our favorite segment, Adventures in the News. This week, it's my turn, James. And I think that a trip to Ayutthaya is in my future. Speaking of Ayutthaya, Hmm. because a lot of things have aligned lately. You know, Greg from one of the last episodes sent me a map for a great bike route from Bangkok to Ayutthaya that I want to try out. Hmm. And then just recently, this is my news. It was announced that Ayutthaya is being added to the next Michelin guide. So all of these things together, biking, food, these are all things I'm into. So I think a trip to Ayutthaya is coming up in my future. So I'm very excited about this. I'm a big fan of Michelin-starred food, especially if it's like <laughs> local food, like street food. That's yeah. one Michelin stars. Because to me, that's a lot cooler than like a fine dining, fancy restaurant, that one one. Mm-hmm. You know, you have been to the one, in, haven't you? Well, On yeah. The so so um, the famous one here in Bangkok is Jay Fai's restaurant, the little old lady with the big goggles who cooks in her giant wok. I think it's great. So this new Michelin guide is now going to cover Bangkok, Chiang Mai, and Ayutthaya, with Ayutthaya being the newest mm, city. Nice. So i got to pick up a copy of that, hop on my bike, take my camera, and uh, hopefully plan a trip. It says, Ayutthaya will be highlighted as a remarkable gastro-tourism destination for all ages due to its perfect blend of old glamour and new charm, with a diverse range of local attractions to cater to all interests. That's really awesome. That's pretty true. Man, there's a picture here of a giant river prawn, which has been splayed open and looks amazing.
1: <laughs> Man,
0: I'm hungry. All right, everybody. Thank you again for
1: listening. We really do appreciate it. We love talking to y'all and just, just thank you. You know, yeah. what, what, what else can I say? A little reminder about the challenge of the month, which you know have an extended deadline through the first week of July. You have an extra week for the challenge, which is practice your nature photography and take a picture of a bird. Send us your best bird. You can find us at attemptedventure.com You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all at AttemptAdventure. You can find us on Twitter at AttemptPod. Feel free to email us anytime you want. Hello at AttemptAdventure.com or click the little Contact Us button on the website and you'll send it straight to our inbox. We love you guys giving suggestions about things. We just, yeah, it just it makes our day. So, again... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, keep it the truth.